The Greg Scheinman Podcast is brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group Insurance and Risk Management. Inns Group is ensuring success. And also, Rose Studios, endurance, strength, and mobility equals perfect fitness. Visit rosestudios.com for more information. On the Greg Shaman Podcast today, we have Bridget Dunlop. Bridget is the creative entrepreneur and driving force behind some of Austin's most exciting entertainment concepts. The company's current portfolio includes, get this, Luster Pearl, Luster East, Container Bar, Clive Bar, Bar 96, Trackside, Collide ATX, and Parlor and Yard. Bridget and her husband, Chris, have been friends and clients of mine for years, and I couldn't think of a more inspiring person to have on the show and bring to you as she is someone whom I greatly admire for her courage, spirit, individuality, and no-bullshit attitude. In short, she is a doer, and her passion for people and progress is infectious. We got pretty candid on her start, being a single mom, being forced to make things happen for herself and her son, how she's managed success and learned to deal with ego and failure, and what it's like going from being on your own to having hundreds of employees and various business responsibilities. It's good stuff, and I hope you enjoy it. Bridget Dunlap on the Greg Scheinman Podcast. So welcome to the program, Bridget. Happy to have you here. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me and thinking of me. Of, of course. So the first yeah. thing... Straight ahead. You're all, you're all good. We're okay. picking you up everywhere. Um, first, I know you've done a lot of interviews over the years. I was Googling and looking at, and, and, and all that. So my first question that I have for you is, what question do you want somebody to ask you that they've never asked you? Well, definitely something different, because if you've looked at the interviews, I feel like they're all the same. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that was why it, it stood out to me that, that it was a little, it seemed again, a little more, more formulaic. And I was saying, where, where can we dig and where can we go that's a little bit, um, that pushes the envelope a little bit more for somebody like yourself who has clearly been pushing the envelope in, in your career? What can we talk about that's pushing the envelope? Um, um, I don't know. The trials and tribulations, I feel like that's been discussed, though. What do you want to talk about? You know, I'm, I'm always interested in, you know, what motivates and inspires people to continue to push forward. Um, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, where did, your, where did your motivation and inspiration come to go out and, and take that risk on your own? And then also, once you've, once you've had success, how do you re-energize and re-motivate to, to keep going? Well, I think that's part of the story that everybody does know. It was my having my son as a single mother, and I wanted to give him a good life, and I decided to um, become a responsible adult, which I hadn't been, nor did I intend to be, nor did I want to be, and um, just to start working. And being the person I am, I... I don't want to work for anybody else. I don't work well with others, shall we say. So it started there at that point. And um, with the gratitude that I have, that place became successful and was just a platform to continue to do other businesses, which, again, with gratitude, they were successful and are success successful. And I think the continuation is some kind of sickness or an adrenaline rush or an addiction. I mean, not necessarily addiction in a bad way, or, but it's just something, you know, that you're not willing to let go of yet. You're not, 
you're not willing to let go, or I sometimes look at it as giving up, or if something's not working, I'm not, I, I consider it a failure, and I don't like to fail at things, so I think those are a lot of the motivators, even though at times you're absolutely exhausted, and even though Chris gave me a year off, you know, and I'm just back in the saddle as of now, so I do feel refreshed, inv invigorated, but I would say, you know, there's a burnout rate too, where you you can't find the creative stuff that you used to find so easily, and everything's not so exciting anymore. But I think that's part of life. It's like getting a new boyfriend or a puppy. Everything is exciting at the beginning, or getting married, and then it becomes I don't want to say mundane, but it becomes an you can't live with that high all the time. It's it's too much energy. You, can't focus on other things so I think it just becomes an everyday practice that you do. Is that a challenge also with with your concepts because you want them to be successful and you put a lot into them and then they have to keep going but but creatively like I find it's hard to walk into the same place every day or see things be the same you know you want to change it or move something but you also realize that it's working and if it's not broken, you know, do we fix it? Is that also what, what's kind of pushed you into different types of concepts? Because you really haven't replicated the same thing. Right. You've, you've almost done it the harder way, which is let me create something new and from, from the ground up and reinvent the wheel each time. They may be the same general business, you know, right. but, but conceptually all very, very different. I like them to all have their own personalities, and at the beginning, when I had more energy and more vigor, I will say that I would walk into a space and notice the most minute detail that I would fix or have it fixed. I'd walk into a space and just look around for things, and as I've gotten older or more tired or realize that those little things don't really matter. I mean, the attention to detail is always a big deal to me, but the smallest attention that nobody um, else is going to notice is energy. So you have to learn where to utilize your energy and what 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 to pick to you know where to spend your energy and where to save it because it is a lot of energy. Sure. You mentioned it at the beginning that that you knew yourself and said, "I don't." I'm not going to work for anybody else you know, mm -hmm. in there. Um, and that's a great realization. But we also know that there, there are just so many out there that are, that are working jobs and saying, okay, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go take that risk. And, and, they never, and they never do for a variety of whatever the reasons may be. Well, it takes you, a certain individual to, to, to do it. You have to have balls. You have to have the... Um, idealism that what do you have to lose and it's a gamble every every new venture is a gamble and I've lost a couple I've won more than I've lost but there's no guarantee with anything let's talk about that a little bit I mean everybody sees the successes yeah that's 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 easy that's easy mm -hmm. quote but let's say let's put easy in quotes <laughs> <laughs> there. To the outside looking in, it appears easy. Yes. You know, they read the good reviews, they have a great experience, they they see from the outside looking in the queen of, of Rainy Street, and mm -hmm. everything is just wonderful. Right. right? The flip side is, is a lack of comprehension of, of how much work 
uh, and stress and pressures go into actually being a five-year, 10-year, 20-year overnight success, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you will. How do you, how do you withstand the, the failures or the, or the bumps in the road? You know, you kind of get used to the bumps. The bumps you, you learn and sometimes the bumps become, there's bumps with everything, but sometimes you have the same bumps and you get used to them and those don't really bother you. I, I will tell you from my own, my own self, is that I put so much of my my heart, my soul, my guts, money, um, my love, my passion into these places. And when they do fail, I don't know if it's my ego or whatever it is, but that hurts even down to the wallpaper that I picked for a bathroom. Do you know what I mean? And it sounds Absolutely. so silly. And um, I can't even look at the space after I've failed sometimes. And I did have a therapist, and I told him what a loser I was with um, the one down the street. And he's like, I wouldn't consider that a loser. I would consider failure at times is a great learning experience. And I want you to go sit in that space and understand that and sit in it and feel it and feel that you're not a loser. just didn't work. No, that's... And that's a great, it's a great point because really the, the difference between success and failure uh, is, is, can be minute, you know? The, what you have to do to just get a business open, get it together, get it funded, get it open, take that idea to, to execution um, is the same whether the end result is success or failure. It is, mm-hmm. but the, I don't the, the process. Mm-hmm. Right, but I don't like the I don't like the losing part of it. No. <laughs> Even though I may have learned learned a lot, and I did, but it's still there's still no closure. It's not a concrete loot loss, mm-hmm. you know. Look, I think we all would love to say we can get up to the plate and bat a thousand, um, and that's right. really not necessarily attainable. Um, it's not realistic, if, is it? No, but it doesn't mean we don't want that, and I think that's what also makes us makes us successful and makes people successful that they don't take losing well. You know, you certainly didn't go into, we were talking about this before we started to record, we didn't go into business, you know, as a hobby. No, it's not a hobby. It's too much work to be a hobby. And no matter how much, quote unquote, fun we think it may be, whether you're in the fitness business, you're in the hospitality business, risk management business, at the end of the day, it's still a business, and the fun the fun wears off. The fun, the glamour, the fun, the beauty, the the shine, the luster, shall we say, it diminishes in some respects. But also, if you go back and get a perspective of what you've done, what's been successful, and what rewards you reap from it, from your hard work. It is still fun then because you you get there's rewards at the end of that big huge mountain you just climbed when you've got your fingers all roughed up and your knees are all beat up and you know your mind is hurt and aching and tired and but there is a reward at the end I think we wouldn't be doing this if there was not it's too much otherwise yeah you mentioned you know your your initial inspiration motivation was new mother okay mm-hmm. not working single for mother anybody else. single mother new mother not working for anybody else having to kind of blaze your own path and be able to to make it all make it all work and now you, you fast forward and you've got all these different places um it's luster pearl clive bar 96 we'll throw 
there's Container Bar, we're sitting right now in, in Collide. Um, you've got a lot of people now. I also, do. Right. That, that both depend on you. Right. Um, and that you actually depend on, you know, as, as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, how does that work for you? Um, I think I've, one of the great things and the most simple things I, I really feel strongly about is to treat your employees the way you want to be treated. And with that, I have had a lot of loyalty. I've had people since the first Lester Pearl opened, which was in 2009, which is kind of unheard of in this industry. But I think it's the, the treatment and showing them that they're important, that you care about them, that I'm here to help. If you need a loan, if you need your teeth fixed, if you hurt yourself, I'm willing, come to me and I'll, I'll take care of it. You know, and I call on my kids. I don't have 50 kids anymore. I have over 150 kids. So the range has gotten, I'm not like the cl- the mom with the 50 kids anymore that they all knew me. I all, I knew all of them. They'd come over for Thanksgiving and all of that. But there's still a huge piece of dependency on both sides. But I do, I do really feel that small token of um, letting them know that they're important. They're not... It's not menial labor. It's an important job. They're important to me, and treating them well is is huge. It's everything. That doesn't always that doesn't always work out. Also. No, it doesn't. And and and, and it hurts mm-hmm. when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because you take it personally. I sure do. Mm-hmm. And hard to separate the business you know, mm-hmm. from, from the personal, maybe especially in your line of work, too? Well, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's the line of work. I think it's who I am, and I know people say it's just business. Well, you know, like I said before, you put your heart, soul, guts, and everything else into it. You develop these relationships with these people. You do help them get their teeth fixed or help them with their whatever it may be, their car, their whatever, and then they turn around and they shit on you and yeah it hurts it's just like any other relationship and and uh, I, I, it would be a lie if I said it didn't hurt but you know some people aren't hypersensitive about things and they they'll say you know that's life that's business and it is life but I do take it a little harder I think than most you know even going as far as people with issues getting them shrink appointments and buying paying for them and then them not showing up and showing up to work and not looking me in the eye and you know going through all of these things with these people and so it yeah it does hurt it's me though what's your what's your way to decompress and how do you take a step back if you can you know and how do you I can. how do you get away from it and how how has that changed over over the years and your approach to, to overseeing things now that may have been may have been different before you had 150 plus kids. Yeah, totally. It was because when it was small, I would go hang out at the bars and have fun and party and and just enjoy myself. But that is no longer the case. It's too much for the most part work to be there and watching everybody and looking at the details and making sure people are behaving and doing that sort of thing. So that's, so I, I pretty much stay away in that respect, which isn't always a good thing either because you need to have a presence. They need to see your face, which I will do, but it's, 
it can be tiresome. I don't mean to seem negative, though, but it does get tiresome. And um, decompression for me is working out every day. It's um, knowing that there's some, like I said, a reward, something fun at the end of this whatever road we're on. If it's going out of town, if it's Mm -hmm. going to south of France, which is my favorite, if it's, you know, whatever it may be, however large or small it may be. Mm -hmm. So you you mentioned working out every day. I mean, a big component of what I like to talk to people about is their their work-life balance and what are they doing, again, to to de-stress or take care of themselves. Um, Meditation, fitness, what do you you like to do? Mm. Right now, I, I like to do the meditation podcast at night to fall asleep. I'm, I'm an insomniac, which I think a lot of business owners are because, you know, your your mind reels about what you can do, what you can't do, what's happened. But I feel like that helps me decompress. Um, I wake up and do, I have a trainer and I do Orange Theory. I like hot yoga right now and I like to swim in Barton Springs. So, you know, if you think about that, that's about two hours a day for myself. Mm-hmm. Which is well worth it, needed. Oh, and Soul Cycle. Yeah, those are all my favorites right now. <laughs> <laughs> Should have asked you what you don't do. <laughs> is that a morning yes. routine, routine yes. for you? That's what you got to do. I have to do it in the morning. Okay. Because um, there's always, I mean, there's, there's an excuse of, oh, I don't have the time or I can't do this. Do you find yourself more productive? You know, because Absolutely. I lose steam at three or four. There's no focus. And I call it snacky hour at four. It's time to drink and eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of, it, that's a decompression also. I'm just, I'm done. Now, when you also first started out, you were really kind of on, on your own and, and you did this. And now you are married. Yes. Uh, how has that dynamic changed the, the relationship, both personally and, and professionally for you? Well, there's a lot of positives. As you know, Chris is very smart, very diplomatic, smarter than I am for sure. And um, he's not really, he's, this is, this business is new to him, so he still thinks it's exciting. There still is a luster, and it still is shiny. So that's been very helpful. The downside is sometimes when we get home, it's all business, which can get monotonous. And sometimes it's, you know, we're like, okay, one last thing, one last thing. And then you get into it, and you're like, oh. Wait, one more, one more thing. So there's been positive and negative, small negatives, but it's also, I couldn't do all this by myself. There's no way. So he's been a huge, huge part of the heavy lifting when I was losing all of my steam. So it's been good. No, that's, I mean, for me, that's really great to hear because, you know, similarly, what I've had, what I've experienced lately with, with Rowe Studios, the, the gym that I own, um, Kate was not involved or has mm-hmm. not been involved um, since inception other than being a, a happy client or like to think a happy client and now over the last several months she's taken a much more active role in it because business for me has gotten extremely busy on on, on the other side um, and has taken a more active role but but what you mentioned and I f- found this is the pillow talk you know you come home at the end of the day and now you're talking about work and she's got her input and this is what happened today and this is what's going on and this is what we need to change. I said, aha, you now, <laughs> I know. You, you get it now because this is what I would come home and tell you. you know? And at first you didn't want to hear it and now you want to discuss it all. You know, where's the, where's the time for us too? How do you shut it down? I don't know. I mean, I think that's I a really, <laughs> I don't, I don't. I mean, I think, 
it's a, I think, you know, everyone says don't work with your spouse, don't work with your spouse, don't work with your spouse. Well, I think, and you know, like the failure rate of that is high, but I think if you get a good working relationship with your spouse, it's, it's huge, it's everything, but being able to cut that work talk off I don't know. We haven't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. because he can he can continue to go after four. He can stay and work later. He'll still answer his phone. He'll answer emails the whole day. When I, I can't, I can't look at anything. And sometimes I just can't even talk. He doesn't listen to me sometimes either. I can just see the look on his face. So, but it does take a little bit of joy out of. I don't want to see. I don't want to be negative because it's not negative. Be, it's a it's it a powerful force the two of us but you do lose a little bit of that but you know as Chris will say as a relationship develops like we're talking about the work that we do as you know the bars become older but they're still successful the excitement wears off just like with um, being married it's not it's not a bad thing it's just the maturation of a um, relationship isn't it we've got kids we've got You've got kids. I mean, sure. it's it's a lot. You're juggling a lot. And then I think some some things go to the wayside, you know? Mm-hmm. But then that's when you go out of town. That's when you try to decompress, really, and kind of get back together with your spouse or your partner or whomever it may be. But it doesn't come easy. No, I, I think you, you constantly have to work at it. We said, and evolve. Um, and maybe, you know, like with your and Chris relationship and how it starts out exciting and getting involved and probably a relief for you at some point. Oh, such a relief. Such a relief. Um, You know, similar, I guess I'm I'm in that excitement phase a little bit too that I'm excited that she's involved and taking an active role because we've been at this for... Well, absolutely too. three years. um, And now the kids are in school all day and she has the time. And it's, it's really cool to see her be passionate about something when after a few years, you know, sometimes... It loses its luster, if you will, and for me being day in, day in, day out involved with it, and she can come in and have all the vigor. All the fresh, yeah, the mm-hmm. fresh perspective, the new eyes, the yep. new energy, vigor, you know, whatever, and it is nice. And, you know, I've told Chris I've, I'm burnt out a million times, and and I, I turned down some projects, and I told him, I turned them down, and he said, uh-uh, I've got seven good years in me that I want to work, Bridget. And so... I don't want to work for seven more years. I, I want to write my book or two books, but you know I can't. I can't let him come home when he's going to take on all these projects, which he can do by himself. Mm-hmm. But I can't, with a good conscience, let him come home exhausted, recognize that look on his face, and you know stay away. Which I did for the past year. Mm-hmm. Which we weren't doing a ton of stuff, but we did a fair amount. But now, you know, we're doing. We just opened this two days ago. We're doing Denver projects. We're, you know, and I don't know where else that's going to lead because he wants seven years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a something else as a as a partner, a work partner. Sure. You mentioned your book. Mm-hmm. What do you want to write about? Um, I go back and forth. I started with a memoir, but then I um, I've started over like four times. So I felt like um, it would be cathartic and maybe somebody could learn from it because it was a super chaotic, crazy, dysfunctional childhood, which I think has given me a lot of the grit, the determination, and whatever else 
attributes to how I've been able to do all of this because I knew at the end of the day, nobody was going to save me. So if I decided to go live in a ditch, that would be fine because nobody was going to save me. If I decided to work hard and one day be successful, that was my choice too. So, so, so with that book, I decided I've kind of changed the style maybe because I don't want to trash figuratively my parents for their lack of tools in raising children. And so, so the direction keeps changing, but it's forever in my mind. And then um, I have another silly book about our dog who has a personality <laughs> and wants Louis Vuitton backpacks and suitcases and passports and you know she's got all sorts of needs and wants and silly ideas so there are two different sides of the spectrum but I will do it and um, I'll get there but you know a book is such a process too you can say it's different than opening a bar or something because you set hard deadlines and you know the hard deadlines never stick but you have mm -hmm. to put them there because you have to. It's money. Sure. And a book you can start and reread it and not like it and start over. You know, there's, it's, unless you have an agent that's put a hard deadline on you. Mm -hmm. And I did have an offer, and Chris said, why, why are you going to put that stress on yourself? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'll just take my time. And, you know, just like with anything else, it, when it's going to happen, it'll come. Mm-hmm. I think in the beauty of, uh, again, we talk about, you know, what, what comes with success also versus when there is that pressure on to support yourself and, and pay the bills and everything. But with the success, I guess that gives you some of that freedom to, to, make, to make decisions differently. I don't need that, that deadline on that book, you know, or no. I don't have to do this project, you know, I at don't. this point. Um, and that's got to feel... Pretty, pretty gratifying. Well, that. I think that's one of the reasons I did all this stuff. I like, I like things on my terms, and I like, I don't, I don't want to have to do anything that I don't want to, and I don't have to. So that's that's part of one of the rewards I was talking about. Sure. With that, so you could. I mean, I see you as somebody that could just as easily go live small, you know, as as as, as live big. And is Agreed. that is that accurate? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't want to right now, but if need be, if everything turned to shit tomorrow, not a problem. And do you think that's because of your, your upbringing? Do you think that's because of the way you started out? Or because, you know, with also success and expansion, things just kind of get complicated and you wake up one day and go, whoa, how did this become my, my lifestyle, you know, if you will, and chasing this? Right, and how much do I need to chase and how much do I need to make? And what is this all about? Is and then you look around. You're like, is this all about material things? I mm -hmm. mean, I mean, one. Of, it's important for me to give back. And Chris and I have a couple of very close projects that we we take care of uh, people that we see and know almost every day or weekly for sure. And that is gratifying to be able to have the freedom to help them however they need help. Mm -hmm. And they're single mothers with children, and so. Those are purposes that I really find, again, freedom to do so. Which, if I didn't have any money, like I didn't at the start, I, did, I couldn't. I couldn't help monetarily. Sure. Who's your inner circle, confidants? I mean, again, you you came up, you know, so much on your own and got, and then 
I think in this in this business also, as you continue to become more more successful, people come out of the woodwork, and there's a social element to it, and all of the things that you talk about. But who's your inner circle? Who gets in, you know, and and how do you, you know, how do you do that? That 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 was very complex at the beginning. You know, people coming out of the woodwork and needing money, borrowing money. And this is not all about money either. It's the, it's the, um, it's the, it's what's behind it, which after a while it's not, I don't want to give over and over to the same person that is not, it's not, it's not for me to judge, but it's also when I decide I don't want to give to this human that I don't feel like is doing the right thing. That's my choice. But I would say my confidant is Chris, but I can be reclusive. I can sit at home for weeks on end and be fine. So with that being said, I want to say my circle's very tiny mm-hmm. as far as friends go and that sort of thing. And I think, in, and I'm the same way in that regard, and I ask that always because being in sales and being out there and always... And with your oh, face on. It's, yeah, it, it's draining. You know? It's exhausting. It, it's draining and to be get used to being told no, you know, all the time, or get used to being on all the time, when when it is time to shut it down, or that invitation doesn't sound so exciting anymore, or that place to go, or then, you know. I don't do any of that. The are with a handful of people that are the quietest times, because it's nice to be off, you know, well, when I, nobody expects anything else. You no. Know? Not selling anything, you're not selling anything to me, we're not buying, it's not bullshit conversation you know play dress up uh-uh. and it's and it's I think it took me a while at the, to get to a place where I felt comfortable saying no to a lot of that stuff and putting some some boundaries up I, I'm I'm a firm believer in exactly what you said I don't I don't I support I'm on the board for some things but I do not go to quote galas I don't go to I don't go to anything. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be on anymore. Uh, again, that's another freedom. Mm-hmm. I can be on when I feel like it, and I don't have to be on. I'm not. I don't have to tap dance anymore. And I'm grateful. Those tap dance shoes are worn out. The grow grain ribbon is just. It, you know, they're mm-hmm. scuffed. They're white, but you can barely tell anymore. And so that's another reward. No, I think. I think it certainly is. I think that, you know, in all of this, you get to the point where you realize that you have choices. You know, who you want to work with, who you want to spend your time with, that, you know, life is short and some of these successes have, have enabled you to have greater freedom, you know? Um, Absolutely. In, in there. And and that, and I think the search becomes, you know, a greater quality of life you know, over, overall. Again, but how many people can say that they get that? Not I many. I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine it's very many because... Again, from the outside looking in, you see today it looks like a lot of people, quote unquote, have it all, you know, or are happy and doing well. And then you start having conversations with contemporaries or even competitors, or mm-hmm. friends, and things are difficult. Life is hard. You know? It's absolutely Raising hard. Raising kids, you know, running your business or businesses, you know, finding time for yourself. I, I don't think anybody has it easy, no matter what it may look like or appear to. Well, whatever it looks like on the outside is a facade in all respects. But I will say that, you know, having the freedoms as we discussed to, to, to 
decide not to perform anymore, to decide I don't need to go here so that I can meet this human, so I can try to sell them on something. I think that's a, a great reward, and I don't think that doesn't come from working your that does come from working your ass off for I've been doing it for 11 years and I've I've done a median average of one and a half or almost almost two bars a year for that that period of time well and that's a big step I mean I just think that there's always that pivotal moment where you decide you're going to go do something, somebody puts a giant stack of papers in front of you for a loan, for a lease, for everything. You know, and, you know I don't do that. <laughs> Chris. But you sign off on, I mean, yeah. you're the oh, one. the personal guarantor, right, that sort all, of stuff. All of that. Um, where did those balls come from? You know, again. Uh, that's, that was from my dad. And he, you know, I remember calling him. I kind of got deported from London and I made it to Turkey hitchhiking and I called him and I said dad I'm out of money and he's like you got your ass there you're in the shithole of the world you get your ass home kind of hung up on me which I would never treat my child like that but again that it you do get balls from that you do get whatever you want to call it balls grit determination uh you're taking care of yourself because he sure wasn't going to sure so you wouldn't do that for your child now, but let's talk about it. I've got two boys, you've got a son. He's being raised much differently than, than you came up. Absolutely. You know, also. Absolutely. Um, what are you teaching them? You know, what are you, are these, how are these lessons being, being applied? What do, you, well, I mean, what do you want from him? Because he's got a different lifestyle growing up than certainly you had in there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, there's, there's two, there, again, there's a good and a bad. He lives in a bubble, you know, and I tell him this world we live in, where you go to school, the house you live in, this is not reality. This is not a reality. It's something to be grateful for and you're fortunate for your education that you're getting and for the things you have, but he's also learning to be grateful and to be kind and that we don't judge humans and to be helpful and considerate and have good manners. And, you know, I was raised with those qualities too, but I would never, um, well, I wouldn't say all those qualities. (laughs) Um, It's just important to raise a man that, is responsible, that has a work ethic. He's watched me work my ass off since he was tiny, you know, and he knows it was just he and I for till he was seven-ish, you know, and that's, I think once he can grow up and mature a little bit and see all that, he's gonna have a great respect for women, which I've taught him, you know, and um, there's just a lot of perspective to be had. And I, I tried my best not to, I'm not perfect by any means, and I have screwed up, I'm sure, more, he'll tell you more times than I think I have with him, but I've at least given it 125% and utilized the tools that I learned, and the ones I didn't, I didn't get from my parents, I went and had therapy for it, and just to, to break this cycle, which I don't want him to, I don't want him to be in Turkey and get hung up on, mm-hmm. you know? So you're a believer in therapy? I am. I am. I have two of them. Two of them? Okay. Tra- trauma therapists from my childhood. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why two? 
One. You don't like the opinion of the first thing. <laughs> you go to the second. No. Well, I I, I had a um, seizure, and the neurologist could see the trauma in my brain, and I didn't know they could see that on a scan. So I have one for drugs, and I have one to talk to. Okay. So, which is helpful, you know. It's all about breaking. It's about learning what happened as a child, and again, it's like learning um, the core of it. Mm-hmm. And understanding it and how not to pass that stuff on because it sticks with you it makes it can it can go both ways I mean I have you know siblings that have gone different ways so I think it's a huge huge um, I think it's a great thing to have and it's also important to admit that there's been some gnarly shit that's happened but you're willing to go if you think going to those places those trauma therapies sessions are fun they're awful but you come out a better person and you've learned a lot so how how difficult is it to apply what you've learned again then the ongoing the ongoing process because i i feel and i and i struggle with this too going myself or into therapy or, or making I'm always making notes for myself okay? me too here's, me too here's how I want to handle this situation and that situation and I can write it down and I and I can <laughs> and I can script it and then you get in the moment and you go okay whether it's the type A personality or whether it's the, te- the temper or whatever it may be and you come out of it and you go that did not go at in any way, shape, or form the way I expected that to go down okay no. in there and how did I not reread my, my own you know, notes and, and hit myself in the head with that post and leave it there. I know. You know what? It takes practice. You know, these these formative years that got kind of fucked up, you know, you can't, you can talk to yourself, you can go to a therapist, you can put those post-its everywhere, you know, you can put those good quotes, those feel-good quotes, you know, the do better, the wall of peace, all of those okay. things, you, you know. You 7,000 of those a day if you just go, you know, follow anything on social media. Everybody has a motivational, perfect way for you to do it in six words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's like anything. It's easy to read it, but to practice it, it takes work and it takes practice and those things don't go away overnight. When do you know or when something's not working? Mm-hmm. In what regards? I was, um, you know, I was just reading, I was reading this book recently, Seth, Seth Godin, book called The Dip. You know, when you stay with something <laughs> and, when, and, when you, and when you quit, you know, right. and that the smart people realize, you know, when it's time to, to cut something and mm-hmm. move to something else. And maybe then the not so much, they'll keep, you know, trying to fit that square peg into a round hole forever until it, until it wrecks them. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, I think that's derived from ego and I think from this, the place we were talking about earlier that the trauma therapist told me to go sit in it because I wasn't a loser. I, I, I think we held on or I held on to that because of ego. I did not want to lose. I did not want to lose that space. But we did everything. We looked through all the numbers on a weekly basis. We cut costs. We, you know, we, we drastically reduced everything and it still wouldn't work. So, and we're hemorrhaging money the whole time. So that was ego, I think. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, though, it's it's is it ego that also gives you the the fearlessness to not you know not to be afraid to fail and take the risks because now you you keep expanding and now you're going to now you're going to go outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Denver and then on that markets. Is it? Are you done with Austin, Ed, or you want a new challenge? Is, or how did the, how did this come? I mean, you've <laughs> you done. You know, like I said, it's kind of a it's kind of an adrenaline adrenaline. It's kind of an addiction, not in a bad way, but. Yeah, I want to go outside of Austin. I want a change of scenery. Um, you know, we we are talking about failure, you know. And um, I remember when I opened my first bar, it took me two years to raise the $400,000, which is so cheap now. But I held on to this little space that I had for 2000 I was teaching Pilates, technical writing, had Asher, and doing that all by myself. And I had so many people that said, just fuck it just quit it's not gonna work and I was like I'm gonna teach Pilates for the rest of my life you know so I'm gonna get bad credit you know what what do I have to lose at this moment and for some reason I feel like another lesson learned from my father like if I didn't behave properly he'd burn my Louis Vuitton up right in front of me I mean that's that's a, a reaction that I learned that I don't so what I mean, I know I talk about that was a hard, a hard for me to take that that loss or failure. Mm-hmm. But for the most of the part, you know, when I, I don't even think I don't even think about it as oh shit, is it gonna fail? It might. It might. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But let's go. Let's give it a go. Yeah, and it seems so you know, reasonable, or, or I understand it. For again, from from afar, you read these stories of of this business started out and this one didn't perform so well and then this guy moved on to this other deal and, and you read it and it all makes such perfect sense but when it's so personal when it's your stuff it's it's completely it's completely different it's mm-hmm. cataclysmic at times it's 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 it hurts so badly but you know anybody i think with great success let's look at the nike guy i don't know if you've read his book but i feel night mm-hmm. yeah I mean, look, he's, he went through hell and back. Look, you know, I always go back to Abraham Lincoln. You know, he was considered a failure. He failed numerous times. But so, you know, I, I don't think you can sweat it anymore. And I sweat that first one really badly. But I'm done. But I've never, you know, flinched at signing a personal guarantor or flinched at signing a lease or, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird line, I guess. It means the ego a bit on both sides and the fearlessness on both sides, and then. I don't have any fear though. The only thing I don't like is to lose, but the fear's not there. So you'll keep competing. Yeah. And then there's a thrill in, in competing. You know? <laughs> you know, I always preach to you know, to you know my people at at, at both businesses and even to our boys that. You know, the gratification is in the actual competition itself. You know, you should enjoy the opportunity that you get to compete. You should. And go out there. It's a privilege. Yeah, it is a privilege. It's and a, But it's a privilege you've given yourself. Nobody gives you anything. Yep. And certainly we, we want to win. But I, you can lose. Well, we don't like to lose. You can lose well, you know? You can give it everything you've got. It's, it's, you can't. Losing... With poorly grace. Is un- is, yes, but losing poorly is unacceptable. You know? Well, you know, and I've done that a couple times. I haven't been graceful about it. Mm-hmm. I've been a jerk. Mm-hmm. Not... I have. And and that's another lesson to learn is grace is a lot... There's a lot to be said for losing with grace, mm-hmm. you know, and taking responsibility. Or, like I said, there's no closure, but it didn't work. No, no, da- no doubt. No um, doubt. 
but for the most part, and on the, certainly on the positive side, is that you said you continue to win way more than you've lost. Um, this isn't uh, a story of, of failure in any way, but a story of, of success and continued success and the path that has gotten you and, and your businesses where they are um, and newer and, and big opportunities ahead mm -hmm. for you. Um, you mentioned Chris as seven years, you know, if you will. Mm -hmm. Where are you? You know, where do you want to be in five? You know, where do you want to be in seven? You know, or what's what's the next the, the down the road chapter? Well, like I said, I want my book. I really want that. But if Chris, like I said, I can't I can't with a good conscience let him just do it. It's not. I don't think it's fair to him. I don't think it's. I can't I can't see him with a stressed look on his face and not start engaging again. So, like I said, I had the whole year off. There was not that much stress going on, but as we took this on, which I wasn't very helpful in this one, mm -hmm. but I've, I, he asked me to come back on. He asked me to start speaking again, start doing what I, I, I don't do construction. I do the creative stuff and mm -hmm. I do speaking. And so I'm back on it, you know, and I, I'm back on it and I'm, I'm, I'm better for it because I did take a break and I was burnt out and, but you know, Let's get back on that horse. Do a bigger, better. Get a bigger horse. You know, ride faster. Get a better saddle. It's all good. Well, I think that's the perfect, uh, the the perfect place to, to to wrap this up. Get a bigger, get a bigger horse. You know, get a and, bigger and, horse. And and keep going. The Greg Shaman Podcast is presented by Inns Group. Inns Group Insurance and Risk Management. Inns Group is insuring success. For more information, go to innsgroup.net. And also by Rose Studios, endurance, strength, and mobility equals perfect fitness. For more information, visit rosestudios.com.